This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen. I am one of the hosts. You can find me on, on Twitter, at Mavs Draft. I'm um, going to do a little different episode today. I don't have anything super in particular that I wanted to touch on. Um, but first, before I get into what we're going to talk about, uh, going forward, I am probably going to start doing some sleepers, just some guys who I've done some research on over the last week between each episode. And just kind of do an episode on that, uh, just kind of on top of the scouting reports I'll be posting now that March Madness is over. I like to post them, you know, after the season, just so everything is finalized. So that'll be something that'll be coming up soon. I think that'll be really fun to do, you know, probably 30 minutes, maybe try to do two guys each time. Nothing too crazy, but just to give you an idea of who everyone is and just kind of where everyone stands on the draft. Today, uh, just kind of to... I guess segue into it almost because last week I did do a, a breakdown with Jared on Kai Jones and Corey Kispert. If you haven't seen that or heard that yet, go ahead and listen to it. It was really good. And everything I feel like that's been said has lived up to, you know, everything we talked about. Corey Kispert has been great. Kai Jones, obviously his season had already ended, but there's a lot in there that is very useful. And I hope that this week will be just as useful. Uh, so I'm going to do some Q and a, um, I put a, poll up not really poll sorry I put a, a Twitter thread up that you know I'm taking any questions so go ahead and just ask me anything and uh, I'm going to start with one this is a perfect I wish I, I am very happy that this is a question and no I did not ask someone to set me up on this um, but with everything I'm sure you know on Saturday night Jalen Suggs hit the craziest game winner uh, one of the craziest game winners we've seen in college basketball so Servan asked me how much does the tournament affect your big board? And I am so glad that we have this question because if you follow me on Twitter, you probably already know the answer. You've seen a lot of my tweets, I should say. But my answer is not really at all. You know, maybe there's some things where I think it only does positive. I don't think you can say like Moses Moody, for example. He was terrible offensively. Absolutely horrible on offense. Couldn't really do anything. He had a game where he went four of 20. Does it really mean much? I don't know. It's just a cold stretch. And and of course, it's unfortunate that it happened at the worst time, but plenty of good players have had bad NCAA tournament runs. I mean, Otto Porter went third overall and, you know, he lost to Florida Gulf Coast. It didn't really matter. It, it was a disappointing stand. I think it does more for teams. Um, of course, you know, unless you kind of, I, I don't know. I really just don't think there's anything in the NCAA tournament that can negate what happens in the regular season. So I'm grateful for that question, Servan. Um, no, the NCAA tournament doesn't really matter to me when it comes to the draft. I think it's a good way, though, to be introduced to players, and I think it's a great way for players to make a name for themselves, but I don't think the top guys really get affected, and most of the guys who have just established themselves, especially throughout the year, um, I think it helps them, you know, or I don't think it hurts them, excuse me. So, like, again, Johnny Juzang is a guy who got really helped by this tournament. Davion Mitchell has been really helped. I don't think that if even if Corey Kispert had gone like 0 of 10 from three over three games or two games, I don't think it really matters because you're allowed to have a margin for error. Of course, it's unfortunate if it happens this time of the year. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't like objectively speaking, it doesn't matter if you're having it against Kansas in November or against UCLA in March uh, or excuse me, April. I, I forgot what month it is, but um, 
you know, from draft standpoint, it just doesn't matter. I, I think kind of just the matchups throughout the year are the most important thing for draft prospecting. Next question is from Michael uh, Kelmanson. He asks, has Davion Mitchell played his way into the lottery? Uh, I, I say if we'd say no, it's not necessarily about him. I do have some concerns with his game and just, you know, this year being potentially a, a fluke, and I'd like to see it be repeated in terms of statistics. Um, but he is probably, he probably has played himself onto the first round. I had him 40 pre-tournament, uh, 40 to 45, somewhere in that range, you know, give, depending on the day. So it's not really a crazy stretch to say he was already a first round talent borderline because he's an outstanding defender. He's the team's best defender, in my opinion. His jump shot is really nice. Last year, he shot 32%, which didn't do him justice. And he shot 66% from the line. But that really didn't do him justice because he was, he has good form. He was taking good shots. He could separate. I mean, it's the things like that that mattered a little bit more to me than just making and missing. And then this year, he took a massive jump on more attempts. He shot 45% from the line. Now, my concern with this, the reason why I say maybe his numbers could be a fluke this year are, one, because he shot 29% at Auburn in 2017-18. And then last year in his first year at Baylor, he shot 32% from three just to go to 45% with no change in the free throw percentage and free throw percentage is generally a stronger indicator. Um, you know, sometimes guys do negate the low free throw percentage, but I, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I got some concerns about the jump shot making, uh, more than the actual form. Again, the form's nice. So I do, I do believe that is a trend in the right direction. I just don't know how good of a shooter he actually is. And he shot 52% from the field. So three level scoring upside, great creator lottery, probably not. It's not all about necessarily his weaknesses. It's more about just, I mean, the first round's really good. So that combination, though, I wouldn't take him before 20 right now. I know a lot of people actually do have him in around 10 to 14 that I trust, but I'm not there yet. So that's my stance on Davion Mitchell. Next question comes from Robert Blackburn. He asks for my thoughts on Greg Brown, uh, his stock and his ability, which Kind of similar uh, things. I think his stock has absolutely plummeted. I'd be very surprised to see him be go go first round. I, I just don't think he's played up to that level. Um, but for his abilities, he's an outstanding athlete. You know, six nine or so, being able to uh, just dunk over anyone. He's super explosive, both off the dribble and just without the ball. He can. He's a lob threat. Um, so he's really good in that regard. But now the one area. And he can get to the basket as he develops his handle. I think that'll be pretty easy. And the thing that really concerns me, though, is for the year he had 60 turnovers to just 10 assists, which is an all-time terrible ratio. And for me, it's a massive red flag. He shot 42% from the field, 33% from free from the three, 71% from free throws. So potentially some upside there, but the form is just not that good. Um, you know, excellent raw talent, but he's so far away from being ready that I wouldn't take him until the 40s at the earliest uh, and because you're going to stick him in the G League anyways. It, there, there's a lot of long-term you know, upside, but the immediate value is just zero for years. Um, I, I just, for at least two years, I don't think he's touching the NBA. So I wouldn't take him that high. That's my stance on, uh, on Greg Brown. But he's a good player, you know, just really raw. And then Marcos asks, how can the Mavs draft Usman Garuba? They can't unless they hold another team hostage. Um, then <laughs> Simon gave me a really hard challenge. So he gave me build a starting five with the following criteria. No one in my top 10, 
one guy from 11 to 20, one guy from 21 to 30, 31 to 40, 41 to 50, 51 to 60. So I'm going to take that challenge. I honestly haven't done too much preparation with this, but I'm going to try and do the five-man uh, lineup on this. And, and of course, I probably should have manipulated my board to get the real answer I really wanted. But I'm going to start, and this isn't going to be popular. Uh, I have Keon Johnson, number 12. No, I did not manipulate it. Uh, again, that was pure sarcasm, so please don't don't think I did that. But I, I'm just not completely sold on Keon being that top 10 guy. So Keon Johnson starts it at number 12 in the 20s range. I'm going to go ahead and uh, take Marcus Bagley. I'm pretty sold on his shooting. This isn't going to be the last time you hear me say his name in this podcast. I have him 22nd at the moment. Um, I think he's someone who fits any lineup. So Keon Johnson and Marvin Bag, or excuse me, Marcus Bagley brothers, uh, of course. And then in the 30s, I'm going to take I'm going to take my big man now and get Sandro. Um, and this won't be the last time you hear me say his name, Mamu Kalashavli, I think, or Kema, uh, I, I almost got it right. He's from Seton Hall, point center, really talented, 6'11". I, I think he brings a lot to the table. And the 40s, my guy easily on this one is Isaiah Wong. I'm uh, going to go with two combo guards, having him next to Keon Johnson. I'm all in on Isaiah Wong. He He's completely under the radar of Miami, really athletic, great shot creator, uh, gets to the basket, finishes at the line at the rim. And I think he's that defensive upside as well, despite, you know, not a strong frame. And then uh, in the 51 to 60 range, I have, this one's a hard one. This one is probably one of the hardest ones. I'm going to take Herb Jones, great defender, SEC player of the year. Um, I really like him. I'm a big fan of his game. And I think that's, I think that's a guy who fits again in any lineup and he can play big or small. So I got to recount. I, I think I did that right. Um, so Keon Johnson, Marcus Bagley, Sandro Mamu, uh, Mamu Kalashavli, Isaiah Wong, and Herb Jones. So yeah, so basically it would be Herb, or excuse me, Keon and Isaiah at the guards, Bagley and Herb at the 3-4, and um, Sandro at the five. So that's my lineup on that. Great question, Simon. Last question before the break. Uh, Courage asks, where do you see Sharif Cooper going as far as draft stock? I think he could go as early as 10, probably no later than 22 or something. Um, he's had a weird season, but also super skinny and has a weird, you know, isn't comfortable with his jump shot. I think that's a mixed bag for some teams. So I think, uh, I think anywhere he's hundred percent a first round pick. I'd be really shocked to see him go after 25. After 20, I think you're getting really good value. I think his quickness, he reminds me a lot of Ty Lawson. I think someone like that is an automatic first-round pick. Honestly, I would take him 15 at the worst, but that's just me. All right, so when I get back, I'm going to answer more questions. But first, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. If you follow me, you know I've already, I'm have already i pretty active in there. Um, I'm usually hosting Draft, NBA, you know, sometimes even MLB. If you're an MLB fan, that's, that's one of my secret hobbies. I'm in a lot of those rooms, so if you ever want to talk, you know, I post on Twitter all the time about it, uh, usually taking draft questions because, as you probably know, I can't get enough of the NBA draft. Uh, So go ahead and download the free Locker Room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join, you know, whichever 
group you want to join. I do the NBA and MLB uh, in specific teams. But follow me on Locker Room at Mavs Draft to be notified when my room goes live. I usually do it once or twice a week. And again, I do a lot of draft questions. Um, I know you won't want to miss it. It's, it's going to be fun, especially as the draft gets closer. I uh, can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts on the draft, you know, with me and everything. So see you there. And that's Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto, body, auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you want. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. When you write locked on in their how did you hear about us uh, box, they'll know we that we sent you. So that's two words, locked on. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm back. Going to continue, just dive right into it, the Q&A. So next question I got is from Stacy Padden. He asks, for a sub-6-5 guard, if you could only pick two out of these three qualities, which would they be? Elite pull-up shooting, elite ability to pressure the rim and draw fouls, or elite passing ability? This one was pretty easy for me. I think automatically you have to have the shooting. So pull-up shooting was in there. And, I mean, I've, I'm a Mavs fan. I see this all the time. The Mavs have only two guys that can do this. The ability to put the pressure put pressure on the rim and draw fouls, that's a pretty easy one. I think passing is severely the most overrated top skill you could have. I, I just don't think it really raises a player's ceiling very much. And, you know, as long as you're not turning the ball over, I think that's more important than being an elite passer. Um, so I, I would go with that pretty easily. Actually, before I go to the next question, um, that's what big part, I moved Trey Mann up to my number 10 spot. Um, I, I think that's actually wise because he has those two things. The passing's mediocre, but he can he can be a three-level scorer, put pressure on the rim, draw fouls, really good shooter off the dribble. So I, I think that kind of just backs up uh, all of that. That was a pretty easy segue for me to promote Trey Mann. Uh, so the next one, NBA underscore Jeremy one, a.k.a. Elijah Hughes is burner. Asks, Davion Mitchell or Ayo Desunmu? Uh, I go Ayo Desunmu. You know, both are guys. Good question because both are guys that increased their three-point percentage uh, quite a bit this year. You know, last year, Ayo Desunmu was a 30% shooter. This year, went up to 38.5%. The reason I go with him is they're similarly sized, and both are good defenders. Davion Mitchell is the better defender. But, you know, Desunmu is a true lead guard. I think that that is a more valuable role than the combo guard. Plus, the free throw percentage is so much more in his favor than Mitchell. Mitchell shot 64% from the line this year. Desunmu 78%. So even though Desunmu has the lesser three-point percentage, I think it's him. And, you know, one of the best slashers in the class. Great size. He's 6'5", 200 pounds. Really doesn't have to work on his body. Good defensive playmaker. Good also 
you know, strong regular playmaker around the on offense. So I go AO kind of decently, but I have both first round grades right now, though. So it's not really a knock on either guy. Um, I'm just, you know, they're right actually two spots apart from each other, but I go AO pretty easily. All right. Next question. Tyler Metcalf asks, could BJ Boston have a similar path to a player like Jaden McDaniels, former top high school products who struggled uh, prospects, excuse me, who struggled in the college environment, but thrives once he gets on an NBA program and makes everyone regret letting him drop. Honestly, I just, I loved BJ Boston in high school, but I worry that it was almost fool's gold to an extent or that he might've just straight up just not been good enough for college. And I don't know. I, I I'm hesitant to gamble on guys like him because I mean, for the year, you know, his numbers aren't good. He had shot under 40% from the field. He shot 35 and a half shot from three, 30% and had 78 and a half percent from free throw line, which is nice. But personally, I don't, I don't buy his touch a ton, uh, or excuse me, I don't buy his shooting form a ton. His touch is nice and he has good size, you know, six, seven combo guard, potentially uh combo wing, I should say. But, you know, guys like him who I, I just, I'm hesitant to gamble on them. We should learn from Cam Reddish. I don't think Jaden McDaniels was truly bad either. I think it's a little bit different. Um, plus, Jaden McDaniels had the elite skill of defense and length at 6-9. And even then, while he was disappointing, he shot 34% from three, 76% from the line. Still had two assists. He did a lot. So I, I personally am just not sold on B.J. Boston. Um, I, I'd say no. I don't think he's going to have a similar path to Jaden McDaniels, who's having a nice rookie year. So next question is from Jordan Ennis. He asked, who do you think is the most likely to be way overdrafted? I think this one's one of two choices. One of them I've already talked about. That's Greg Brown. I think some teams are just going to fall in love with what they saw in high school. Um, potentially even BJ Boston. Those are two guys that, so actually three guys that I'm going to name, but those are two guys I see. And then the third I see is potentially Cameron Thomas out of LSU. I think teams are going to fall in love with his scoring. It's a big risk. I don't necessarily disagree with him going near the lottery, but with someone who has just no hesitation on any shot he will ever have, it worries me a little bit. I just worry about his shot selection before buying into him being a top 15 prospect. But I think those are the top three candidates. So next question, Braden asks, what would you say is Moses Moody's absolute ceiling and absolute floor? That's a hard one. I don't have specific players in mind. I'll be 100% honest. Um, but I do think his role, I could project, his absolute ceiling is, is a first option. I mean, that I don't think there's any secret about that. There's a reason he's a top 8 to 10 pick in this class. 6'6", six, 7'1", six, wingspan, you know, can has a really nice jump shot that should translate. He plays bigger than his size at 6'6". Six, six. He plays into that wingspan a lot. He's a really good rebounder, an excellent feel for the game, and he's a strong defender. So he has the two-way build, I think, that you want. I don't know if his handle – his handle is going to be what really determines – and his playmaking are going to be what determines his upside as a floor. I can't really see him being worse than a rotation player. I don't, I don't really think he's worse than a quality backup wing. Obviously if you're drafting in the top 10, you don't want to get a quality backup wing as your prize, but it's, it's something. I, I do think that it's something that teams are attracted to is his high floor, decently high ceiling. And actually now that I think about it, this question leads me perfectly into another question that I got from magic fan um, it's, I, I, my boss T E P I G four, three, two, one though, um, ask who should the magic pick with a bulls pick 
assuming that it's in the eight, seven to 12 range. I think you automatically start with Moses Moody. You know, I, I don't think the Magic really need to worry about position necessarily on who they're drafting, but Moses Moody is an outstanding um, fit for any team. I think he really fits into Steve Clifford's defensive first uh, mindset, really helps replace the shooting loss from Evan Fournier. I think he could be really nice. Another guy, I think you're going to have a choice of either Tennessee guy, you know, that's Jaden Springer, um, Keon Johnson, both combo guards with really good ceilings and really good defensive upside. And then if, if I hesitate to say this, it, I have two guys that are really hard to project where they're going to go. I have, I've already mentioned him. I moved him up to 10, but Trey Mann would be someone. It's hard to say him though, because of the, the magic's guard rotation. You know, they already have Cole Anthony, they have uh, Mark They just got RJ Hampton. It's hard to throw four young players in there um, at the same position. So that does worry me a little bit, but the other guy I would say that I could see this guy rising into the closer to the 12 range than the seven, but Josh Christopher from Arizona state, I really buy into his upside. I think he has two way. I mean, he has star upside. I, I think that's someone that you really, if you have the second pick, like the magic do like a second pick, excuse me. I think you can afford that swing at the fence and afford a miss because even his miss isn't a terrible outcome. I, I think he's better than, you know, I mean, I think if you have the second pick of two, would you take a Ben Macklemore at like his mediocre days, like of relative to himself or his best self? Because I think that's something Josh Christopher could be is I think his shooting is really nice and I like his defense. Great athlete. So I, I would like that. That's an outcome I would really enjoy. And then last one before uh, then the last break, I, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to buy, this is, could not be any more fitting, but um, I S I A N asks, what is the hardest name to pronounce in the draft, which is the meanest question I will ever receive. And there's two guys um, who come to mind right away for this. Uh, really three. Rocco Percoction, I think is how you say his name. Uh, then there's Sandro, uh, who I've already said. I just referred to him as Sandro. But Sandro uh, Mamukela Shavli. Uh, I probably botched that one. I can't. The ending always messes me up. And then Alperen uh, Sengun. Those three guys really get me. Uh, Ayo Dosunmu is also a, a candidate. That's a hard one as well. Um, so when I come back, I'm going to finish these up. Got some really good questions on the end. I kind of saved some of the really good ones for uh, this last segment, so you don't want to miss that. When I come back, we'll get right to it. But first, betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports actions. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time odds are updated, and props are almost on anything you can imagine there. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way, uh, best place for your bets and is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and use promo code locked on, and that's one word, L O C K E D O N. All right. So, in the final segment of this, I'm uh, going to finish up these QA. And again, I am really appreciative, appreciative for all these questions. These have challenged me and made me kind of, you know, do some different homework than I had anticipated. Really liking this. All right. So, the first question coming back. Um, Clapping to Mediocrity asks, is Kate a better prospect than Zion and Luca? No. Um, you know, especially pre-draft, Luca was a, 
I, I just think he's a tier above. And Sion was the best prospect, uh, finishing prospect I've ever seen, best athlete I've ever seen, uh, pretty much relative to, like, outside of probably LeBron James. So, no, he's a really good prospect, borderline generational, probably over that generational line, but nowhere near in that territory. Uh, Smith Kyle Frederick asks, G League, playing abroad, or going D1? Which is the best path for a probable one-and-done player? Honestly, I don't think you can blanket statement that. I, I think it's all relative to each player. Uh, I think playing abroad kind of seems to have hurt the the visibility of players more than any other outcome. I think D1 has a lot of bust potential because players can just be completely misused if they don't go to the right program. If guys want to go, you know, we don't know why players choose certain situations. So I'm not even going to pretend like everyone has their, like everyone has their own reason, you know? So I, I don't think you can really generalize that. Personally, if it were me, I think the G League is the most player friendly in developing and you get paid for it. So that's where I would go. And all, you know, all the games are on ESPN family of networks. I think it's a good, good way to learn the game and you're playing against pros that are in similar shoes to you. I, I think it's a really good program. Next question, Aryav Mahala asks, what do you think of Denny Avdia, uh, his season and potential? He's had a decent season, uh, you know, hasn't had the role he really deserves. I think next year he breaks out. Obviously going to stick in the NBA for a little bit, though. He's a quality player. Next question comes from Field. He asks, who are my top five second-round guys? Um, you know, not necessarily my 31 to 35 guys, but guys I see going in the second round that I think could be steals. I think you look at Isaiah Livers from Michigan. I don't think he got to play in the tournament, but one of the best shooters in the class, outstanding rebounder. He has two really quality skills for a wing, I think, that matter. Uh, I think Mario Nakic is a guy who doesn't get enough attention. He's an international guy. I think he's 19 years old. Decent jump shot. I think that's his biggest swing skill. He's a really crafty finisher, and he has a lot of moves to get to the basket, but he needs to add strength and physically mature. Um, and then third, I again, a guy who I, I could see being someone who is an impossible name to pronounce, and I really hope for Adam Silver's sake he doesn't have to announce it, but Sandro um, Mamukela Shavli, you know, point center, all of those guys, anyone like with that unique of a skill is going to be a really nice value get uh, for someone. And, and shout out to Oscar Da Silva. I think he's a guy who is going to be better than wherever he gets drafted, if at all. He already signed in Germany to prepare uh, in the meantime till the draft. So he's already overseas, really quality player. One of the better defenders in the class, I think, two-way guy who um, he can, I think he can score pretty well, had 18 and a half points per game, even had two, two assists, incredible feel for the game. He's got decent size at 6'9", mild athlete, but there's a lot to like in his game. Quality rebounder too, just efficient player. He's, he's good. He's one of those guys where it doesn't, you know, there's not a lot beneath the surface of just he's really good at basketball. And then next, my guy, Mike Bibbs, asked, who are three to five of your Bibbs guys in this draft? I think I'm going to give you four. Uh, you know, by the end of this, I might change that answer. But I'm going to start with Josh Christopher. I think he's someone you'll love as since you're a Lonnie Walker fan. Has a lot of similarities, more flair, um, better defender, I think. And, and as a freshman, Lonnie Walker was pretty undisciplined. But, you know, he's gotten better at that in the NBA. I think you'll really like Ayo Desunmu. Slasher kind of already talked about him. So if you want to go back, if you've already, if you skipped that part for whatever reason, Bibbs, uh, shame on you, but, <laughs> but go ahead and listen to that. Um, and then a third guy, I think you'd like Isaiah Todd from the G league. 
six ten. Almost, he showed a lot of flashes of creation. Good athlete. His jump shots not the fastest, but it it's it's good. So I like him as that fourth guy. I would throw at you. I'm gonna say you would really like Scotty Lewis or Darius Days, and so I guess I give you five. Scotty Lewis is a freak athlete, freak defender. Those freak length. You know, I think he has close to a seven foot wingspan. Just unreal defender. He gives everyone he's faced this year nightmares, uh, even last year too. And then Darius Days is like that ultimate clue guy. You know, decent athlete, um, can do a little bit of everything. He's almost a Swiss, Swiss army knife. So I think you would be a big fan of all of those guys. And really, you can't go wrong with any of them. And Victor Lugo came in with two questions. He asked, who are the best hybrid bigs in the draft that can defend outside and space the floor in offense, kind of like a Maxi Kleba on the Mavs type? There's two of them um, that come that j- jump out to me pretty much. There's Kai Jones. He'll be a top 15 pick. And then Isaiah Jackson, who is really creeping up. I think he's the best Kentucky prospect in the class. He's a big man, just crazy athletic, still really learning how to play basketball. You could also throw in uh, Ariel Hookporty into that. He's an international guy from Germany. Um, really, really good athleticism and raw tools, just very far away on the timeline. And actually, now that I'm looking at it, there's a couple other guys. I mean, Nimi Escada can defend in space. He had seven blocks against Texas Tech in the NCAA tournament first round. New guy. Um, I, I mean, Evan Mobley is a cheating answer. I think he's obviously one. I, I don't know how that slipped my mind. Sandro Mamukelashvili. Uh, uh, I think I finally got it right. Mamukelashvili uh, is a guy who, he, like I said, point center, he can shoot. I don't know how much I trust his defense, but... He's one of those guys. And then lastly, Jay Huff from Virginia is pretty much a 3 and D big man uh, to an extent, kind of athletic. Um, and actually, last one, I'm, gonna, I'm done after this one, I promise. These are a lot of names. This is a lot more than I had anticipated. But JT Thor from Auburn is super raw, but fits everything he, that you just said. He can shoot. He can defend in space, uh, growing handle, just really raw, but the upside is crazy. And then Victor's other question was, who are three players – that you feel will be overlooked and not drafted in the first round. You're Desmond Baines of the draft. Well, I hope to got him wrong on this because Chris Duarte fits that bill perfectly. I have him 29th on my board currently. I could see him climbing a lot. Two-way player, uh, you know, really strong playmaker on both ends, good shooter. There's a lot to like on him. He's 23, though. So teams will obviously irrationally hold that over his head. Another guy that I think should go first round but won't, I see Marcus Bagley. Um, from Arizona State, you know, the season was kind of up and down for him, but I think he's got the athleticism, size, and shooting combo that it's just too good to pass up. Uh, the third one, it's really hard to find a third guy that fits this bill. I guess I'll say Ron Harper Jr., one of the best shooters in the class, had some hot and cold spells towards the end of the year, really, actually, not even the end of the year, just January, middle of January to February, he just went cold. Um, but I think that was more of a slump than an actual telling of who he is. So he's a guy who I could see. Those are three guys who I would call this year's Desmond Bain candidates that they will play very well in their rookie year, but they're going to be overlooked because of, you know, age, wingspan, slow performance at a stretch, something like that. Uh, but those are three guys for you, Victor. A couple more left. Antonius Cleveland season asks, can you explain why it is important to track movement skills for all prospects, but especially big men? Um, and by movement skills, he means basic stuff like straight line running, lateral quickness, fluidity and movements also, and including his own red flag for big men, uh, the dreaded huff and puff before they start running. 
I think this simply comes down to the Warriors effect on the bat on the game of basketball where, you know, bigs can be played off pretty easily. And if you can't switch onto a guard, you're a liability in the NBA at this point. Um, you know, stiff guys who just are limited to the post, their value's low for this reason. It's kind of why Luca Garza's looked at negatively. Even though I disagree with his stock, I do think he can play. I think I would still take him top forty just because that offense is elite for a college player. But that's besides the point. I think that stuff just matters. Um again, it'll play you off the court if you can't do that and if you're not in the right lineup, but that combination. And then the last question, uh, there are two of them that are pretty much the same. Um, you know, I got one from Lucas Lawyer, not an actual lawyer. Uh, any potential undrafted free agents that the Mavs should target? And then I also got one asking um, who are there a few players to look for that may go undrafted for the Mavs to bring into camp. So kind of one in the same. Always five guys who I think are really good. I like Keyshawn Bryant. Uh, I think I have him in, I have him 44th on my board right now. Outstanding athlete, but his problem is he's still really raw. Outstanding defender also. The only good defender really on that South Carolina team. They were a disaster on defense, but he was their saving grace. Another guy, if you followed you know, me for the last month, I've talked a lot about is Jericho Sims. The Mavs love Dwight Powell, and Jericho Sims is a lot of Dwight Powell in him. You know, the pick-and-roll man, uh, great athlete, doesn't really shoot but knows his role and is a lead at it. Plus, he's more switchable than Dwight Powell. I think he's got the defensive upside. And um, so I think those are two. <clears throat> a couple more. You know, I, I threw a name. Uh, actually, I haven't mentioned this guy now that I think about it, but Yves Pons from Tennessee, another freak athlete with outstanding defensive upside. Just doesn't really bring anything on offense, I don't think, at least. Um, so I'm a little bit down on him. Another guy you could look at, Colby Ross from Pepperdine. He's a good ball handler. Finished really well at the rim. Uh, even had some flashes against Gonzaga in, in one of their games. Good shooter, light frame, though. That might hold him back. And then lastly, um, I'll go with RJ Nemhard from TCU. His dad is a coach uh, that I believe he was with. I know he played. I don't remember who he played for, but, you know, 6'5 combo guard, good, great, great athlete. Um, can do almost everything. The shooting form's kind of awkward, but everything else checks out for him. He's a good passer, averaged. Um, Actually, I don't, I don't have that pulled up just this second, but let me get that pulled up and uh, let me just tell you a little bit more about him. But he he is a good combo guard, like I said, um, is able to handle the ball. You know, he can be secondary or primary initiator, can defend multiple positions, and ultimately he puts pressure on the rim. He was a four-year guy as a redshirt junior, um, averaged four assists, so that was a career best. Last year, three and a half, up from one assist before. Um, he needs to, you know, get better turning the ball over and whatnot. Average 34% from three, but 78% from the line, the touch is there. I think he's worth taking a gamble on. If you can fix his jump shot, he's going to get you good value back. So those are five guys, um, that I could see being Mavs targets. Uh, so I hope that helps. And I really appreciate everybody submitting their questions. Definitely going to be doing something like this again, you know, in the near future, especially as draft gets closer, I'll probably even do a locker room and put that as one of the episodes. Um, so go ahead and, uh, and subscribe to, you know, or follow me, excuse me, on locker room. And, uh, and we can definitely get talking about that and I look forward to doing this again. Thank you guys. And don't forget also to rate us five stars and be sure to listen to our other episodes of Locked On NBA Draft. You know, there's three hosts, me, Raphael, technically four, but Sam and Cody from Draft Dummies, uh, and check out their episodes this week as well. Thank you guys.